Happy New Year from the Musician Toolkit. Let's talk about some goals that you can set in 2024 to make this your best year yet as a musician. Hello and welcome to the Musician Toolkit. My name is David Lane. It is great to be with you once again. This is episode number 55 and the first episode of 2024. So before we get started any further, let me just say Happy New Year to all of you. And I hope that this will be a safe, prosperous, and just a great year for your personal life, but also for your musical life. So this is part two of a two-part series on setting New Year's goals, specifically as a musician. I would strongly encourage you to listen to episode 53 if you haven't already. In that episode, I give you 12 areas of your life as suggestions that you might want to consider auditing to see if you can reduce or eliminate some aspect of that part of your life. When it came to being a musician, for example, because this is going to come up, you know, one of the things I talked about was... Do you need to learn as much repertoire as you think? Or can you be a little bit more selective? Also, when it comes to taking gigs, maybe you ought to say no more often than you do. And while you're at it, charge a higher rate so that you don't have to say yes as often as maybe you have. But I also encourage you to check out some other areas of your life that don't really have anything to do with music. Things such as going out to restaurants, streaming services, your habits of reading books. And again, about uh, if I'm doing the math right, about seven other suggestions that you could consider. And all for the purpose of clearing your slate, making room in your life to add meaningful goals that will help you. It's one of the things that I have learned little by little over each passing year, and that is that More is not necessarily better. In fact, it's usually not better. Less is better if it's something that truly matters to you. So if you are getting rid of the things in your life that are just fillers, they're just time wasters, and you learn to savor each moment and to pick the things that will really help you, this is worth taking time to do. So again, that was episode 53. I, I, I Once again, I strongly encourage you to go listen to that and make sure that you have thought about that at least a little bit before you go on with today's episode. Because what I'm going to do today is assuming that you've cleared some space and you're ready to think about some big goals musicianship-wise, I'm going to offer 10 goals for the year. Goals to help you grow as a musician. Now, before I start listing them, I want to say just a few things about this list and about goals in general. The first thing is that this list of 10 goals is a mix of bad goals and safe goals. Bag stands for big audacious goals. They're ones that stretch you, ones that you need to try hard. But then also some smart goals. So smart goals are S-M-A-R-T, specific, measurable, achievable, rewarding, or realistic, and time-bound or time-measured. I've heard arguments for and against each type of goal, but I think 
Uh, most successful people mix them together. You have your big audacious goals and you have really more of your safe goals, but ones that, that, that push you forward. The important thing is that it is moving you towards something that you're not already doing. And the other thing I want to mention about this list is that I'm not going to make any suggestions that I'm not willing to do myself. So I am going to participate on all 10 of these goals and some I'm more decided on others and some I need to still figure out. So let's get to the list. Number one, I want you to pick a big piece for your primary instrument and focus on it for the year. It might not be a piece of music that takes all year for you to learn. It might be something that you can learn pretty well in two, three, or four months. Well, then spend the rest of that time continuing to work on it, work on it, work on it. I want you to pick a piece that you can't play really at all right now, or if you've only sight read it, maybe we'll count that. But you know, you, you are far from being able or willing to give a public performance of this piece, but it's something that you're going to work on. And so when you get to this point for 2025, it'll be something that you've mastered, something that you can play really well. Now, this reminds me of something else I meant to say about this list. This list is not meant to be your only goals. This list is to give you some focus as a musician, but certainly you can have other goals. But I, I want you to resist trying to learn one big piece and a whole bunch of small ones. If you're a working musician as a professional, you probably have pieces you're going to be playing uh, for the gigs that you play, whether that be an or orchestra gig, a choral gig, um, string quartets, or if, if you're in musical theater, learning the, the music for those shows, or whatever it is. This is for you to grow as a musician. It's not a piece that you're, you're learning for the sake of making a lot of money off of it or, or anything like that. It's just, it's a piece that you think is challenging but you know that you can learn it over the course of the year. So I'm going to be participating by working on the Sonata for Piano by Samuel Barber. I have worked on the third movement. It's a four movement piece. I've worked on the third movement to the point to where I think it's, it's maybe 50, 60% pretty good. It needs some work. Um, first movement I have played around with on and off, but never given it serious sustained attention. The second movement, I've never done more than sight read. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I am really kind of scared of the fourth movement. It is an incredibly difficult, at least to me, an incredible, incredibly difficult fugue. I don't know if I'm going to be able to learn it this year. So this is a bag goal for me. This is big and audacious. I feel very confident that I will learn the first and third movements and should learn the second. The second just for the amount of time it takes, maybe, maybe not. The fourth movement though, I would be surprised if that's even close to being presentable by the end of the year. But I will shoot for that. That is my one big piece that I'm going to work on. Now I have other pieces I'll be working on, but not that many. Most of them are I'm maintaining. But my practice will be centered around the Sonata for Piano by Samuel Barber and getting that better getting that better and better to where it sounds pretty good, to where I would be willing to play that for anybody upon request, or I would program it into whatever I'm doing. 
Okay, the second thing that I would like for you to do, and this is whether or not you're a composer or an educator, remember there are tools of musicianship you should be developing. And one of those is the ability to analyze music. This is how we learn from music by analyzing music. So I want you to give yourself one large scale piece and give it extensive score study. This could be classical, it could be jazz, uh, it could be, but it needs to be something that you can look at a written score and you want to make comments, you want to make annotations and make remarks on what you learn about the rhythm or about the meter, about the harmony or about the melodic elements and be able to describe in great detail what's going on and also know what's going on to the point that you could reproduce it if you had to do such an arrangement. And again, it could be a jazz score, it could be classical. For me, it's going to be the Symphony Mathis de Mahler by Paul Hindemith. It's a score that I've had for a while. It's a piece that I love. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on that I'm not positive what's going on by just a casual listen. But I'll tell you what I plan on doing with that. I plan on circling all the spots that I really want to dive in deeper and then getting out some blank manuscript paper and doing a two to three staff reduction so that I can see what's happening and do some harmonic analysis and also play on the piano kind of what's what's happening so that I can, again, have a full grasp. One thing I also notice about that piece, especially in the finale, is what rich brass chords there are. It, it almost sounds like it's coming from an organ. It's just the overtones are, are really good. Now, a lot of that might be the recording. It might be the orchestra. Um, my, my favorite recording of that is the San Francisco Orchestra, Herbert Blomstedt, the conductor. But I suspect that a lot of that is how it was orchestrated by Paul Hindemith himself. So I'm going to be diving into that piece, uh, taking probably maybe two days a month throughout the year to take a section and, you know, just spend some time really getting to know the piece. The third thing I would like for you to do is to pick one instrument that you do not consider your primary instrument. One. And develop it as much as you can in 2024. So this is going to be your project. You have your primary instrument, but I want you to pick one instrument that's not your primary instrument that you're going to say, I'm going to really make progress with that this year. Enough so that it can become a bona fide second instrument or third or fourth, depending on how many others that you have. For me, it's going to be the guitar. I played guitar on and off uh, since the age of 12, but mostly off as an adult. I, I am going to go into the new year with my guitar out of its case on a rack where I will pick it up every so often. And I'm going to, I'm going to make this as fun as possible. I'm going to learn how to play as many rock songs that are guitar driven that I love to listen to as possible. I'm going to go through, go back through some Led Zeppelin, probably for starters, because that, that was some stuff that I did a long time ago. Um, I'm also going to learn my scales, learn my arpeggios, and, uh, and try to develop some right hand technique, which I have never done before. So a lot of things for me to do, but I am going to work on that. I do not expect to call myself a guitarist in 2025, but I expect to be able to say with a straight face, yeah, I play guitar reasonably well. 
I could not say that right now. I'm going to work on it so that that is a bona fide secondary instrument. So choose an instrument that is not your primary instrument, just one. Now, it's tempting to do this with a lot of them because odds are there are more instruments that you don't play well than you do play well. Pick one, just one for now. And again, I would recommend, you know, try to pick one that's not super close to your instrument. So, you know, if you if you play flute and that instrument is piccolo, well, I mean, there's good reasons to practice it, but that's not what I'm talking about. If you play flute, can you find a completely different woodwind instrument to add to your mix? You know, maybe, maybe you need to try saxophone or oboe, uh, or try something else. Learn violin, learn a brass instrument. It might even be piano. All right, number four. This is probably going to be a bad goal for a lot of you. I want you to read a book, one book on music theory, orchestration, or counterpoint. If you have trouble finding books of this type, feel free to send me a message at davidlanemusic.com or on any of the social media feeds where I'm at, David M. Lane Music at Facebook, David Lane Music on Instagram, and I will help you with suggestions. The book that I'm going to read this year is one that I tried to read 20 years ago and my head just started spinning. Uh, I mean, it's 20, I may may have been 20 to 25 years ago. Um, My head spinning. It's been on my shelf. It still looks like I just bought it. And that is Arnold Schoenberg's Theory of Harmony. The thing I remember about it, I haven't tried to, to read it at all. I just pulled this off my shelf just to kind of refresh my memory. Uh, I have a shelf of books that I'm reading, a little section to my left here. It's going to go there. In fact, I'm going to put it there right now. The thing that I remember about it is that the language is very verbose, very formal. It's it's almost like trying to... (laughs) I'm, I'm sure it's not quite the case, but it felt like trying to read a James Joyce novel while also learning very advanced ideas about music theory. So I am going to read that and learn what it has to offer. I don't expect that it's going to like become the book that replaces other theory books that I value, but it's going to give me some insight that I did not have before. So there are plenty of books on orchestration, counterpoint, and music theory. And it can be a music theory textbook that you actually read. If you were in college, You might have a textbook, but did you actually read it or did you just review the assignments in class? Take time to read it from cover to cover. And just a suggestion, make notes as you go. It's not really much point reading a book casually. You need to read a book kind of assertively if you're going to get a whole lot out of it. So again, I'm doing Theory of Harmony by Arnold Schoenberg. You could read that if you want. If you read that one, I'd be happy to... Uh, discuss that with you as we go and and just see what we learn. All right, number five. At least one time this year, I want you to give a public performance that you organize, or it could be a composition recital where maybe you're not performing, but other people are performing your works. So the caveat here is it's not a paid gig. It's not, you're not doing the performance because you were hired to do the performance. You're doing this solely as an artist, as a musician. This could be something that you do at a church. You could do it uh, at a library auditorium. You could do it in the park. You could do it in someone's home. 
you know, maybe they have a large home and, they, and you can have a few guests over. I'm not saying that you have to have 100, 200 people. It might be something that you do for 10 people, 15 people, but give a public performance that you organize. So this is one I'm not too sure where I'm heading with this, but I do know some library auditoriums that have pianos and uh, definitely thinking about that. So I'm not counting the fact that I give a one hour performance at a retirement center once a month. So that's, that's 12 concerts I'm going to do. I want to challenge myself to do something a little bit different. I may also give a composition recital. So again, I have some options. I will participate. I just don't know exactly what that's going to be. All right, we're halfway through the list. Number six, I want you to create an artist website, or if you have one already, conclude the year 2024 with a dramatically better website than you currently have starting 2024. So to say that more succinctly, either start a website this year if you don't have one already, or greatly improve the website that you already have, your artist website, the one that talks about you as a performer. Now, before you just dive into that, I want to strongly suggest that you go listen to episode 40 from September 18th of 2023 called Designing a Website That Works with Taylor Rossi. That was a great episode where we talked about what kind of a checklist of things that you should have on your website, some things that you wanted to avoid, but also some things that you want to do well. Like your website should not simply say how great you are. It should show what kind of incredible value you offer to your potential client. It's a different way of thinking. So go check out that episode. I will put a link to that episode in the show notes because that is an an important one that you definitely want to check out before working on your website. But do work on your website. Get it it going. If If you are in 2024 and you have doubts to the importance of your website, let me try to persuade you. You need a website. If you're relying solely on social media, such as Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, Picket, those algorithms are changing all the time. There are times that I post on Instagram with the same types of hashtags, the same types of graphics, and I will get thousands of views. And then other times with the, again, the exact same thing, I get like maybe one or two engagements and, you know, double digit views. And I really, you know, can't figure out what the difference is. Uh, I'm posting the same time of the day, the same day of the week. I mean, I'm sure someone could figure out what's going on, but you know what you can control? You can control your website and you can control your email list. You own that. You have control over those two items. So I didn't put an email list in this year's goals. You might want to shift your focus to that if you feel very confident in your website. If you've got a performing website, an email list is the next step. So I will be doing that. My I my website is much better now than it was uh, definitely a year and a half ago, but I've kind of plateaued over the second half of 2023. I Basically, my January website is no better than my June website was. So that is something that I I'm going to work on greatly improving. All right, number seven, choose one composer or one artist or one band 
and give their discography a full listen with re-listens where, when you, when possible. And by the way, you can do this. Um, I've listened to the entirety of Beethoven's work in a single year, the same year that I listened to the entirety of, of Gabriel Fauré. This past year, I listened to everything by Sergei Prokofiev and Johannes Brahms, and I think this was the same year I did Igor Stravinsky. So that's classical, but you can also pick an artist, you can also pick a band, and again, you know, not trying to make these goals easy, I don't count it as listening if it's just on in the background while you're doing other things and not paying attention to it. It needs to be real listening. Like, get out a notebook and write one thing about each track that you hear. Really challenge yourself to go all in on this. So I'll tell you what I'm doing. It's very easy, and I, I may have even hinted at this before. I am going to go through the entire recorded studio albums of John Coltrane. John Coltrane is an artist that I have never really gotten into. I certainly have respected who he, who he is as an innovator, as a composer, and as a saxophonist, but like his music has just never spoken to me the way it has others. But I am now a resident of High Point, North Carolina. And this is one of the places that John Coltrane grew up. I've, I've done some work at the High Point Theater. and Right outside the High Point Theater is a statue of John Coltrane. It feels like if I'm going to live here as a musician that I owe it to myself to give a fair chance of John Coltrane. So I plan to listen to everything at least twice. And I'm going to make some notes along the way. And I'm going to come up with you know, not just a top 10, but maybe a top 20 list of all of his songs, all of his arrangements that I like. And I'm going to re-listen to those. So I'm going to get to where I know his repertoire. And I may even try to play some of it from some lead sheets. So that was number seven. Choose one composer, one artist. And again, it's not to say you can't listen to other things, other, other people, other composers, other bands. But pick one that's your focus you're one to get to know better. And I would say it needs to be one that you don't already just love. You know, So if you're a big Beatles fan, this is not the year. That Don't count that. But uh, let's say that, for example, that you've never really given the Beatles a fair listen. You've heard songs here and there, and you know, you're kind of indifferent. The Beatles are a great choice. Listen to all of our albums multiple times. Take some notes. All right, number eight, I want you to record your own music or record yourself playing someone else's music, and I want you to produce at least five tracks. Now, if that sounds overwhelming, let me offer some consolation. You can certainly produce it as an album that you put on streaming platforms or make into vinyl or a CD that you sell. So that can, it can be part of your income goal for the year. But it's fine if you just want to make it for something you put on your website or to just give away as Christmas presents a year from now. But at least five tracks. Think about some music that you could play. Like if, you're, if you are a classical performer, you're, you're not composing your own music, you just want to record yourself playing some of the repertoire you know 
that's fine. But if you're a composer or you like to improvise, get enough studio equipment, get enough of a good microphone, learn a few things about editing, and put the best work that you can do by the end of the year. And by the way, I say record at least five tracks. You might record five singles and spread them out the year. You may want to think about doing something for the first quarter. Uh, and then maybe a two, two or three more, especially as we get toward the summer. So there's some options here, but don't check in a year from now, having not recorded yourself as a musician. So that's number eight. Number nine, this is a smart goal. This is not big or audacious in any way. In fact, this should be the easiest goal on the list. I want you to see at least one local concert or recital from a fellow musician. I'm really close to a university and I'm, I mean, I'm walking distance from a university, so I really don't have an excuse there, but I also have a half dozen other universities within a 45 minute drive that have music programs. It would be inexcusable for me not to go hear a local musician, a local colleague. It could be a, it could be a student recital. It could be a faculty recital. It could be a local band that just plays at a bar. But I bet some of you went through 2023 without doing that. It's important to get out. I almost said I want you to do this once a month. But let's take baby goals here. I wanted this to be a really close to a filler goal. But it's something that you should not ignore. You have no reason that you should ignore this for an entire year. Colleges announce well, well in advance their performance calendars. Go look at one, put it on your list. If it's if there's an admission fee, it's probably small. Save up for it, but invest that time and listen and be supportive. All right, number 10, wants you to go to at least one convention or conference or festival or masterclass to continue your education. Lots of music festivals and summer camps, you know, that that you can do, but there's also lots of conventions and conferences. So by nature of my volunteer work with the organization, I know that I will be at the North Carolina Music Teachers Association conference in the fall. I'm still working to think on what other conference I might do. I'm kind of letting MTNA go this year and uh, I've already really let NAM go. So those are two that I've done before, but I, I bet there are other options. Now, I'm leaving this open. I'm considering going to a convention as a podcaster, but I'm also looking at ones that support teachers, ones that support composers, so other aspects of my life. But go to at least one workshop, conference, convention, festival, masterclass. And again, masterclass, it could be you go to a university that has a masterclass, but make sure that you are attending something in a group format that is improving your education. And by the way, it could be virtual. That's something that, that you may want to consider. So those are the 10 goals. I'll go through them one more time. Number one, pick a big piece that you, that you can play on your primary instrument as a solo and focus on it for the entire year. Number two, choose one large-scale piece that you can find a written score for and give it some extensive score study. Number three, choose an instrument that's not your primary instrument and work on getting better the whole year for that one instrument. Number four, read a book on music theory 
orchestration or counterpoint. Number five, give a public performance that you organize or a composition recital. It's not a paid gig. It is just something that you are putting on as an artist. Number six, create an artist website or improve the one that you have. Number seven, choose one composer or one artist or one band and give their discography or their full collection of recorded songs a full listen, two or more if you can, making notes along the way. Number eight, record at least five tracks as a musician, either for an album or for your website or just to give away as Christmas presents. Number nine, go see at least one local concert or recital from a fellow musician. And number 10, go to at least one workshop, convention, conference, festival, or masterclass to continue your education. And that's it. And keep me informed on how you're doing. I I love to hear from listeners who take things from this podcast and they start to apply them. So feel free to contact me at any point to let me know how you're doing. Now, before I wrap up this episode, Let me talk about this podcast for 2024, just kind of how I see things progressing this year. I have some things that I want to work on that that are not at a point to where I want to to talk about them because I'm still working out details. But I'll tell you three goals that I have for the podcast. One of them is not even counting the fact that I want to keep it going every single Monday. That's kind of a given. But I plan to get back to guests soon. We haven't had guests in a while. Big projects plus moving was basically the reason, but I'm going to going to correct that, going to get back to having guests. Now, my hope is that there will be a guest on average every one out of every three episodes throughout the year. When I started this podcast, the goal was one out of every two. But for me, I think if we have 52 episodes... If I have somewhere between 15 and 20 guests, that's a successful year. I don't expect to have like 20, more than 20 guests throughout the year. So that's the first goal that I have. The second goal is that this is called the Musician Toolkit. I want to get back to focusing on one tool, possibly every month, but at least every two months. I want to have an episode where we just make sure that we review the tools and that I give you some exercises, not as big as the ones that I gave you today, but some ones that you can do to just kind of touch up on that tool. And then the third thing is, in addition to guests, my solo episodes I'm hoping will continue to be like the shorter episodes that I did before this one, where Instead of talking on a broad topic, I talk on one thing, one specific tool, one lesson, one aspect of musicianship. So so I'm hoping that there will be some episodes that are like barely over 10 minutes, maybe even 15 minutes, that will focus on just here's one thing that you can look at. So that's it. I just want to remind you, you can check out Fonz in the show notes if you are a private instructor of any kind. It doesn't even have to be for music. You might listen to this for fun and you have a yoga studio or martial arts. If you have any kind of private business where people schedule time for you and have to pay for you directly for your services, Fonz can help. 
I'll tell you, I was just telling my wife earlier today. Now, I'm, hand, I'm recording this actually before Christmas. I'm getting this uh, done in advance. But, but I was talking about how wonderful it is having uh, a subscription to Fonz because being able to give a booking link to a prospective client where they know that they can sign up, put in their billing information, and then choose a slot on the schedule has really improved my confidence as a teacher. Because one thing I know that it's doing is it's it's showing that I am legitimate, that this is that I am a professional, and that this is something that I am very competent and experienced in doing. I have been the piano teacher before that goes back and forth over the phone about a schedule, talks about cash or check, and no, I don't take credit cards, but you can use the Venmo or PayPal. I'm just going to say out there, if you're doing that, if you are, if you want to be considered as a serious teacher, and I'm, and that's, maybe that's a bad way of saying it. It's not to say that you're any less of a teacher. If you want to be perceived as a professional teacher, you need to act like a professional. And whether it's Fonz or whether it's some other platform, I would encourage you in 2024 to make sure that you are operating like a professional, that you have payment collection, automated payment collection, that you have an integrated interactive schedule that you can share with other people. Investing in yourself is the way to go. I almost put that on the list. I did leave that out. Um, I want you to think of how you can invest in yourself as a musician. In episode 53, I talked about some things that you can cut out as far as as expenses, but that's not meant to just put money in the bank. Invest it in yourself. If you're a teacher, find the tools that you need to be a better teacher. I just bought myself uh, today an upgrade in piano. I'm very excited about that. Uh, I gave myself reasons for many, many years to not do that. So you might need to upgrade your instrument. You might need to upgrade your online tools. Uh, By the way, if you have a website, you might need to upgrade your hosting subscription. Make sure you're able to put business tools. You should not be sending any more clients to apps that are really meant to serve sharing money with your friends. All right, that is as long of a spiel as I'm going to say related to Fonz for the entire year. Uh, At least I'm, I'm fairly sure about that. Have a happy 2024, everyone. I look forward to hearing progress reports, how these goals are going. And uh, I will share every so often at the beginning of an episode how I am doing on one or more of these goals. Help me stay accountable too. I, I need it just as much as all of you. Again, that will do it for the first episode of the year. A wrap on episode number 55. Thank you so much for listening and I'll be back again next week.